Well, the gig that's going on in DC right now is important. If those of you want to do multitasking, you can actually go to whitehouse.gov and watch the live stream of the project that's going on here. I chose to be here today and spend time with you because it's actually a more direct and relevant audience for the kind of work that we're trying to do together. And really, the big challenge I want to put in front of uh, this community here is to help us in a transformation, a psychological transformation about moving from a paradigm of scarcity towards a paradigm that's informed by abundance. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that this morning. I want you to think about three numbers, the first of which is eight. Eight is actually the percent of kids in Cleveland who actually graduate from university. The second is one in three. 33% of all the women who live in Cleveland actually have type 2 diabetes. And the last number is actually 57. And 57 is the percent of Clevelanders, not in the city of Cleveland, but in the suburbs, the immediate inner ring suburbs, who actually live in poverty. You might say that that represents one very stark set of, of insights related to the notion of scarcity. And in particular, when you think about the role of universities against that condition, universities filled with opportunity, abundance, choice, we generally are very much a walled community, a garden community, oblivious to, sometimes in fact by design, exclusionary, elitist, isolated, following on an 800-year tradition to those kinds of challenges that are around us. The entire creation of the wall was informed in a period of time over 800 years in which scarcity, scarcity associated with the availability of knowledge, the transmission of knowledge, the engagement in education was in fact limited, rate limited by all manner of, of reality, starting with the fact that we didn't actually, back in the earliest days, actually have ways of disseminating, distributing information. And that entire culture of scarcity continues, unfortunately, in a significant way that informs the psychology of the institutions that many of us are associated with and challenges us to ask if, in fact, we are in an era of abundance. Is it possible to actually move away from being detached, away from being isolated, and away from being so exclusionary through the challenges of the communities around us and create an and-both statement? How do we attend to the needs of a university community's research, teaching, scholarship, and attend to the priorities of the community around us? That is a transformation from a psychology of the nation, from scarcity to abundance, and that's what we want to really be talking about and the work that we've been doing at Case Western Reserve University in particular in some work that I want to share with you, along with an organization called One Community that the university helped establish eight years ago. And every so briefly, the underlying and principal commitment was to collaborate, collaborate with everybody, create a big tent 
across all of the region and invite all the universities, all the schools, all the healthcare facilities, all the government facilities, all the museums and libraries under a big tent and say, well, this is about abundance. This is about transforming our institutions from 18th and 19th century institutions in which scarcity was the modality in which people had to come to us because knowledge was scarce or experience of culture was scarce and trying to find a way to actually build, build on top of that. This effort, one community, a co-op, is now actually extending to one-third of the state of Ohio and is really about a transformation project informed by a commitment to build the infrastructure of abundance. And that infrastructure, in our view, starts with the 21st century roads, highways, which we call, of course, fiber optics, by building networks. One community is the nation's largest community network, extending, as I say, to a third of the state of Ohio. And two and a half years ago, Case Western Reserve University, under the leadership of Marv Schwartz, our chief scientist, began a project to say, what more could we do? Abundance now that we were connecting 2,300 institutions, libraries, museums, healthcare facilities, government, 2,300 are now connected. What's next in the spirit of abundance? And the answer is actually bringing that kind of amazing capacity, ultra-high-speed broadband, not just to the institutions, but now also to the homes of the inner city, the people who are, again, 8%, 1 in 3, and 57. What could we actually be engaging if we started to build, as we did, the nation's first research program to ask the question, how can ultra-high-speed broadband impact positively the quality of life of people in the communities around us? And so the Case Connection Zone is the, that first research program right in the heart of the campus community, 104 homes connected to try to turn it into a research program, a research program that engages our faculty and our students. Our first PhD actually graduated this year who's finished his work actually on the Case Connection Zone. Two MA theses were completed on research conducted here. Faculty are engaged in multiple ways, everything from engagement, as I'll share with you, in the areas of direct delivery of healthcare and wellness support, coaching of wellness, coaching of, of uh, folks who are dealing with Alzheimer's, uh, uh, working with families that are dealing with autism through the ultra-high-speed broadband connectivity. That is why it's important to the research community and to the university's students and faculty, and at the same time, trying to uh, significantly work to uh, engaging projects that are meaningful to the, to the community itself. And so we are focused in in four core project areas on health and wellness, uh, in the area of education for our community, in the neighbors' public safety, which is core and most important to them, and around uh, energy management. We are engaged directly in the use of technology to support wellness and support, support uh, the one in three women who have type 2 diabetes. This, this woman who lives in the, in the community uh, is interacting in real time with Dr. Stadler, who's in fact uh, one of the docs on her type 2 diabetes challenges. She's got a pressure cuff on that's monitoring in real time some of her key vitals. Those are being transmitted in real time over to university hospitals. Um, and she's interacting on her front porch uh, with Dr. Stadler um, over the uh, ultra-high-speed broadband uh, connectivity. Uh, schools 
are engaged. They're, John Hay High School sits right in the middle of the campus community of University Circle. And here, rather than taking a class with a traditional science environment, uh, in this particular case, uh, these students are interacting in real time with doctors at the Cleveland Clinic who are actually undertaking in real time an open heart surgery to learn about biology. The school connected directly uh, over ultra-high-speed broadband directly to the Cleveland Clinic, and these same kids um, are in a position to be peering, to working with students at Case Western Reserve who live in Hessler, who live in the Case Connection Zone, uh, to do follow-up uh, work with Mike Kenny, uh, who's here at the conference, who's helped us prototype that kind of an engagement. Some of you might have had the privilege of hearing Gary Galbraith and Tom Nabb yesterday talk about this application environment, another very, very important example of extending moving from the notion of scarcity where dance has to happen as it were only in one place and to an environment of abundance when in fact new art forms of dance are being created in which dancers are actually in two different places, not only in real time but in this case holographically transported over nearly a gigabit of broadband connectivity uh, so that the audience actually sees holographically in, in 3D uh, the dancers on a single stage. All about the applications. Today at the White House, right, right now, four minutes ago, this project was actually being demonstrated live, Surgical Theater, a project that uses 864 megabits of bandwidth per second to allow surgeons to practice from home. Uh, their surgeries that they'll be conducting the next day, uh, this one happens to be open brain surgery. Uh, this is an opportunity for docs to take real data, CT scans of their own patients, and literally from home over the broadband infrastructure using haptic devices, being able to actually take and simulate the actual surgery that they'll be doing the next day. They have four minutes once they go in to get the right clip on the aneurysm to stop the blood. Uh, within four minutes, if that doesn't happen, in reality, uh, stroke and worse uh, unfolds. And so Dr. Warren Selman and Andy Sloan are working with two uh, startups, two guys who started a, created a startup at Case Western Reserve University, leveraging the abundance that's there to create this never-before-seen surgical theater suite for docs. Again, the project that's being announced uh, this uh, morning at the White House, and you uh, encourage this community in particular to be thinking about this, is what happens when we shed the notion that we're working with scarcity, that it's our laptop or that it's our mobile device that, that is the container for our learning, and that we think about what we could be doing to extend the boundaries of our campus and our experience for our students and faculty colleagues to really take a look at and advance the project of learning in which we can create and both statements, things that are both good for the research community, good for the student learning experience, and attend to the priorities around us. That's certainly the challenge that I put before this community, a community that has always been at the cutting edge, a cutting edge that has historically been informed by scarcity, by constraints of bandwidth, constraints of form factor. What happens when we remove those constraints in support of gigabit kinds of projects that are out there? Today the White House is announcing US Ignite, a project that's working with the NSF, and with Mozilla Foundation, this community should be in the middle of all of that because this community understands better than any the possibilities that come with leveraging technology to transform education. 
Again, this is the Mozilla Ignite Apps Challenge that will be announced this morning in Washington, D.C. It's a half a million dollars to get people like you and your colleagues across the country working to actually engage in apps development, starting with just ideas. Again, this is this right out of Malcolm's presentation. A big chunk of it is just out of ideas, and a second uh, uh, tranche of funding is supporting actual uh, prototyping work. We'll be hosting in Cleveland at Case Western Reserve the developer app form uh, later uh, next month, actually, uh, to bring together the developer community uh, to be working on these activities. And, uh, sorry? Uh, stay tuned. Can't preempt what's going on at the White House this morning. This is the final slide. Right? I don't know about you, but at my home, I don't have this kind of connectivity. This is right from the Case Connection Zone. Right? This is pinging here, downloading at a half a gig, 500 megabits per second, and uploading at 310 all the way to Detroit, so it's real. Right? The, only, the only issue here is the real internet. And the challenge I've put before all of you, and the thing that really matters is that we engage from this community in that challenge of creating transformational applications, engaging with our students, faculty, colleagues, and with the community around us. Thank you.